This is Making It Happen by Sims, a podcast that brings people, business and technology together. Um, good morning. I'm Andrew Henderson, the uh, CEO of Sims International, um, and welcome to our latest in Making IT Happen podcast. We're delighted uh, to be joined today by uh, Mars Adcock from Concurrent Technologies. So thank you and, and welcome to our podcast, um, Miles. Thank you. I think Andrew. probably for our listeners, um, if you'd like to uh, give an introduction to Concurrent Technologies um, and yourself, please. Okay, I'll be delighted to. So I joined Concurrent Technologies as Chief Executive last June, so almost a year. That followed 25 years for me being in technology businesses, mostly defence and aerospace. Uh, I was on the executive committees of Kinetic, more recently Teledyne, and started my career in Marconi. Uh, so Concurrent Technologies is a business that uh, has spent 37 years designing and building in the UK plug-in cards, mostly single board computers. And under my leadership now, we're widening our brief to include uh, a more substantial range of plug-in cards beyond single board computers, but also systems. By the end of this year, we'll be selling systems um, and an increased focus on differentiated software. Uh, and all of that will be continue to work quite closely with Sims. Well, thank you. And um, I know our businesses have enjoyed uh a 10 year plus relationship. I think um, my understanding is, um, and certainly my involvement with Concurrent is, you know, there's a good relationship there. We are what I would call really true partners. From your side, what is it you're looking for to help your business with the partners you work with? Yeah, partnership is a really, really important word. I think particularly recently, with the challenges that have faced humanity, whether it's COVID or current supply chain challenges, uh, many people are realizing that the, the human business to business relationships beyond merely the transactions really matter. It really matters that we stand for something. It really matters that we develop relationships. And it really matters that business leaders strive to support and enable each other's business to be successful. Uh, and I think that's a really good, I always believed it anyway, but I think for me, it's one of the good things I'm taking out of the current challenges in the world is this increased emphasis on those of us that believe it matters, like we do, increased emphasis on relationship building to support each other's businesses. Very important. Yeah, and I think uh, without that, we, we, we see that with concurrent, we maybe our values and uh, culture is different, but I think they are very aligned and hence why we have a, a, a great partnership. And um, and businesses that we're, we're both over 30 years old and uh, uh, that's pretty unusual in, in, the, in our industry. So uh, I guess it, it says something about our, our businesses that the culture, the values uh, have ensured that we've, we've been around for that length of time. Yes. So you touched on a bit of few on the challenges. Clearly, 2022 has started as a as a challenging year with the cost of living crisis. Obviously, the uh, horrendous uh, war in, in in the Ukraine, supply chain as we come out of COVID, etc. Um, how are you uh, 
sort of managing this, uh, you know, with with uh, colleagues, uh, with the business? Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot to that. Um, so feel free to curtail me if I talk too much. But so I joined in June last year. Fantastic business, fantastic business, but perhaps had had a mindset of of um, avoiding risk as much as possible, which is different to managing risk, um, and had been quite cautiously run, quite quite consistent, quite static almost for many years. Served the business very well, good performing business. So then I joined in the midst of all the things that you talk about. So you know, the first thing we did was strive to give individuals more flexibility, whether that's in where they work, and clearly COVID prompted some of that, or how they work or what hours they work. And then as cost of living started to bite, um, I took the opportunity to, as much as possible, build into people's base pay uh, and then give them the option as to how they use that money, whether it's to buy more holiday or participate in a tax-efficient electric car scheme or, or cycle to work or whatever it is. Really tried to give employees the choice as to how they utilize their income rather than us dictating what the benefits should be for each person. Uh, and we've got more to do, got more to do there. Then as the components challenge is, is, is around all of us. Uh, and as you know, if you try to order, say, an electric car, it might be, might be a year before you get it. So this is affecting everybody. Uh, we're absolutely choosing to take the stance of investing our way through this period. So even if there are some short-term headwinds, even if it lasts a year or two years, even if there are those headwinds, unlike we think some of our competitors, rather than damaging the business by severely cutting costs or threatening jobs, uh, you know, we've developed a number of strategies for growth. I mentioned earlier systems and widening our product offerings beyond single board computers. So we stand for investing our way through this difficult period. We can do that because we have a really healthy balance sheet. Uh, so that's, that's great. So you know, whatever the short-term headwind means in terms of a little bit of challenge with shipping product, uh, we'll invest our way through the period. And, and for me, that goes really well hand in glove with, with striving to improve our employment proposition during this time. We just opened a new facility in Thiel, for example, which is really cutting edge. It's a beautiful laboratory, fantastic office space. And um, you know, the business challenges and the human challenges that employees face are not two separate things. We have to strive to make both work. Well, that's, that's interesting about the, the new office. And, um, uh, and I'm really interested in this uh, idea of offering your colleagues uh, or have a say to how they're how they're rewarded or, or how they they're, they're paid. Has that helped you with attracting uh, new colleagues to the new facility in your this approach to say packages that you're offering? Yeah, it is helping. Uh, candidly, it also removes some barriers. So it's a challenging environment in which to recruit. We've made some very good recruits. I mean, in the last year, we've recruited over thirty people. Wow. Um, which as a business that was around 100 when I started, you know, that's a lot of change. Um, and we've had, we've had a few folks leave as well. So it's been quite a high staff turnover, but being as attractive as possible to new starters, as well as building that loyalty with folks who've been in the business for a long time is a really important balance to make. 
you know, a lot of businesses, in my opinion, still have uh, practices that almost penalize new starters under the guise of rewarding people who've been in the business for a very long time. Well, with the market as it is, it's got to be a fantastic proposition for new starters, as well as building that depth of relationship with people who've been here for a long time. And lots been written about, I think the, the most used term is the hybrid working. What's your personal view about, uh, say, say, for example, yourself, are you somebody who is in the office five days a week or do you choose a sort of 3-2 model? And, and uh, are you letting colleagues decide themselves? How, have you, how are you managing this at the moment? Um, I'm strongly of the view that every person is different. So the relationship between the employee and their line manager is clearly really important. Um, and it's their dual responsibility to make sure that there's the best balance between working preferences and performance. At the end of the day, it's a business, so we have to perform. Um, so I, I don't stipulate any hard rules like three, two order. Personally, um, I'm often working from home a day, maybe two a week, depending on other travel arrangements. Uh, and we need to stand for being a global company where we'll hire talent wherever it is. I mean, it's convenient if people happen to live near to where we currently have offices. Primarily, that's Colchester, Reading and Woburn in the US for us. But increasingly, we've got employees who live hundreds of miles away from those facilities, uh, and we have to make that work. Um, and I, I see in the... Um in your uh, the financial reports uh, there's talk of uh, eight new product releases in or, or you're, you're planning eight uh, new product releases in 2022 and also i believe you're part of the uh, open group uh, sosa or sosa yeah. um, I, I presume these are two key strategies for your sort of planned growth in 2022 and, and onwards absolutely so for a business like ours Launching products at the right time in the market is absolutely critical. It is the differentiator. We've got lots of competitors in the world of embedded systems. So having the right product at the right time, uh, I absolutely obsess about. So one of the areas of a lot of focus and where quite a lot of that recruiting has happened and where we've introduced uh, much more modern tools of the trade processes and practices is in our R&D team, uh, where broadly I'm quite bullish now being able to say to the market we'll launch approximately twice as many products per annum with a design life cycle that's maybe half of what they used to be um, uh, and I think you know, I know that's going to make a real difference uh, it's a real differentiator particularly at the moment where a lot of folks are cutting costs um, or perhaps are uh, letting the challenges with supply chain also slow down their mindset on product development, personal view, uh, I think we should take this time to be as assertive as possible on being really fast at developing product and hitting the market as early as we can. Really important. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And, and uh, for both our companies and, and I guess as, uh, as CEOs, uh, this, this supply chain is uh, is. A bit of an unknown we don't know how long's going to last what sort of uh actions are you kind of taking to to protect the business from from these challenges and an important thing to understand about this business is we tend to get designed in so our customers uh, will first of all take a, an evaluation board from us so as soon as we've designed that product we want to have an evaluation board ready so that customers can 
compare us to other options that they might have. And then we get designed into a manufacturing program that may last many, many years as that customer makes their product. So the first thing to note is once we designed in, assuming we perform sufficiently well, which we absolutely do, then there's no imperative for the customer to swap and change. Um, In fact, it's a problem for them because typically they'll qualify their product with our product inside it. So then the most important thing becomes that we are no worse, hopefully better, but not materially worse than other people in the market at providing product as quickly as we possibly can. Um, and so the actions we're taking are we, you know, we order we order parts based on a long-term forecast now. So we don't wait for purchase orders to be in our hand from customers. We're putting our cash to work, um, ordering parts further in advance. Relationship building with our key suppliers, really important. So rather than just being a transactional buying relationship, a uh, stronger business-to-business relationship really matters because you always find that you can help each other if you start to do that. And then a lot of suppliers are becoming, and distributors are becoming more innovative with offering services and solutions that, that help navigate components challenges, whether it's you know more progressively scouring the earth for the right kind of product or managing buffer stocks or, or whatever it might be. So we're, we're forward-leaning on all of those options. And the other thing for us is we've got a sizable and very competent engineering R&D team. So if there are particular components that look like they're going to be a long-term issue, then we we can work internally and with our customers to design them out and replace them with something else. Okay. And, and do you think our, our respective businesses are doing a, a good enough job explaining to our customers, uh, collectively, you know, joint customers, uh, and the market um, about the supply chain challenges? Do you think that everybody understands it, it is real? You mentioned electric cars. You're absolutely right. I think uh, people are aware it could take a, a year to... Um, to receive that car or we know the cost of secondhand cars are going up as a result um but do you think our businesses are doing a good job in, in communicating the challenges do you think there's i guess a podcast like this is an example of where two ceos are talking about something that is real yeah um but do you think uh, we should be doing more or could be doing more or, or explaining why and how to navigate through this I think there's always opportunities to do more. Um, I think that's a truism, but but I th- I think companies like ours are making as positive um, a set of outcomes with this situation as possible. You know, I see it as we're being prompted into being even more proactive, even more progressive, even more involving with stakeholders, which which will serve us well now and as the components challenges ease. Um, well, I think we're doing an okay job. The, the challenge is, of course, customers will remain frustrated. And some, some customers, very understandably, have urgent requirements and don't have the luxury of being overly sympathetic to the supply chain, even though they intellectually understand what the challenges are. Uh, what we've experienced, though, is broadly any customers who are experiencing slight delays, and we're doing pretty well, actually, through this, but any customers that are experiencing slight delays uh, typically, they might be frustrated, but they're also very supportive. We have had, we've had a handful of customers who are very large companies who've chosen to go to their own supply chain teams to see if they can secure problematic parts more quickly than we can. And thus far, the feedback has been 
no, concurrent technologies, you're securing your components just as fast as anybody else can, maybe sometimes quicker. So, so long may that be the case. So I'll summarize that. Our customers are mostly very happy. For those who are experiencing some delays, that frustration generally comes with high levels of support as well. They understand. And you touched on your US operation. Is that a replica of what you do in um, in Essex or is it a different, does it perform different, a no, different it's, role? Until now, it's entirely been a sales and customer support office for the product that's made in the UK. Uh, the big change we're driving in the US is we're qualifying a third-party built-to-print manufacturer. Uh, and the intention being, by the end of this year, we'll genuinely be able to sell American product, made-in-America product, in America, uh, which really matters to that market. So the Biden administration, for example, has rec- increased the requirement in federal programs to have, I think, 75% US content from 50 so if you want to sell into America, particularly if you want to sell into federal programs, then it really makes sense to have a manufacturing capability based in the United States. Okay. And I guess the um, we, we use the term global supply chain issues. I guess the, the, the challenge you face in the UK, absolutely the same in, in the US. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We managed to get this far without using the, uh, the, the dreaded Brexit word. Um, so from Sim's side, we, we're hoping to have a, an operation um, in um, in the Netherlands open to start trading from um, July first, uh, as a consequence to the challenges we found as a business operating in Europe, but also uh, as a requirement, a number of our customers are asking that we are able to do that. Have you had the same challenges with Brexit, uh, or, or do you have any plans, or what, what's your your view about your European business? Um, I, for us, our European business is is large. The US is about 40%. Europe is similar. Uh, We haven't yet seen any uh, downside of note as a result of Brexit. Uh, Yes, there's a little bit of a new administration to understand in terms of shipping, but we haven't seen diminished business opportunity into Europe, clearly keeping a close eye on it. But um, Europe's an absolute key market for us. We have excellent relationship with our distributors and customers in Europe. Uh, should that for any reason change, Brexit or otherwise, then yes, we'll, ad- we'll adapt strategies to to deal with that. But at the moment, it's going extremely well with Europe. Okay. So that accounts, that's a significant part of your overall global business. Yes. We, we talked earlier when we, when we were introducing about um, all things environment or, or green. Um, you mentioned, and I think it's fantastic, uh, uh, offering your colleagues the opportunity for electric cars, salary sacrifice. What's kind of the roadmap or what, what, how do you want to see, say, concurrent technologies in 10 years' time from environmental? What would be your, uh, what's your vision around that? Yeah, there's two aspects of that. The first is our own working practices and an infrastructural footprint, um, employees and the business. Uh, and you know, the whole subject of flexible working and green travel is really important. And I think uh, for anyone who who hasn't seen these electric car schemes, uh, well worth looking at. So it's very tax efficient. It's a government scheme where effectively you lease a car pre-paying income tax um, and a third party administers it for you. So it's, it's very, very good. It's great for employees and it's no overhead for the company really. Um, but the second half really to 
the environmental agenda for us is to build a much better understanding of where our products can be used effectively to help help the human endeavor uh, with regard being much better environmentally and we're in the foothills of that you know that you said 10 years so in 10 years time i'd like us to authentically be proud because it is our embedded systems that are really making a difference to some of our customers as they you know as they lead environmental efforts for us it's been um yeah it's been a hard work and an investment but we're we're proud to be carbon neutral at the moment um by doing offsets and, and in fact we are this week i'll be looking at signing off on hopefully making uh our facility here at Lenham totally powered by solar or, or heat pumps. So, uh, um, and like you, enjoying the fact that colleagues are taking the, or looking at the uh, salary sacrifice. And in fact, a fellow director today is ordering an electric car. So we think it's a good thing, it makes great business sense. And uh, we're, we're certainly in, in embracing it. And I also think for, for companies like you to work with a company that is taking environmental the, the whole green issue seriously is is a benefit yes definitely and candidly you, your business is one step ahead of us on that in any case so any opportunity to learn lessons will be much welcomed yeah and that's so no that's, that, that's good um so are there any other we've talked about a number of challenges from from the cost of living and, and I mentioned Brexit, so it seems that your business is managing that much better than we've been able to. Um, uh, the supply chain, which is absolutely uh, coming to us. A any other challenges that in, in year two of the role uh, that you're, you're seeing that you're working on at the moment and, and advice you give to other CEOs? Uh, what a great question. So it has to be being attractive to talent and developing talent. Um, talent is the differentiator for any business like ours in my view um i'm not sure about advice to other ceos i'm less than a year into the ceo journey but um i'm really proud that we are taking the line of investing and striving and growing through this period rather than cutting back uh, i think that's a fantastic position to be in um and uh, you know, I think standing for something, back to where the conversation started from, really, you know, standing for building relationships, standing for caring about employees and talent, but also being forward-leaning on things like open-source open architectures. Yeah, so you mentioned SOSA. You know, these, these things are big in the world of embedded systems. And some companies are choosing to try and avoid it or, or believe that their prior, proprietary systems will survive the revolution of open source architecture. Uh, I, and some people think it levels the playing field and that's a threat. Uh, yes, it levels the playing field if you engage in things like open source architectures, but it also means you have to be more innovative, creative and performance focused so that you differentiate your product in ways that excite and matter to customers rather than, rather than seek to keep them penned into a proprietary system so that navigating that uh, is probably from a technical perspective our biggest challenge and opportunity in the coming year i, I think it's um, important for our, for our listeners to uh, realize that uh, we haven't met until this, this morning but i'm 
it doesn't surprise me that our companies do work well together because your philosophy about investment, looking after people, the importance of partnerships. And you know, I've just come back from a trip to the US uh, talking to one of our big suppliers and it just reinforced, you know, having not been able to meet face-to-face -face just to be talking face-to-face -face again is so important. And if you do all of that, then you're in pretty good shape to um, look after your customers. And I think, as I said, we haven't uh, uh, met or spoken before today, but clearly our companies are very similar in that their approach to to the world, as it were, and wanting to be just a good business. Yes. You know? um, and it, yes, of course, we need to be profitable, but there's also a bit more to business than just making a number, as it were. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing you physically soon. We should We, we should, should definitely make that meet happen. up. But so, look, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Um, you mentioned uh, very humbly about uh, not being able to uh, give advice as only being a year in. I've actually learned a huge amount from today. So thank you. Really, really appreciate your time. And we will meet face to face. Thank you very much. Yeah, much thank appreciated. You. Take care. Thank Thanks. You.